Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us. I think we're at episode number 58 now, and I'm here with my new friend, Marquette Maurer. Marquette, thanks so much for being with us today. Of course. And we're going to dive into yet another new topic for the Boca Podcast, which I think um, many of our listeners are going to find very relevant, and that's the idea of balancing motherhood with running a photography business. This is a pretty loaded topic. Uh, Even just the word balance is a loaded topic in and of itself. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But I like to start our podcast episodes with what I'm beginning to call an aha moment, kind of that moment uh, where maybe in in the case of Marquette and her business, something that she learned through um, kind of school of hard knocks, uh, maybe learn the lesson a hard way and she can share with our listeners. But I want those of you who are listening and if for some reason you have to walk away from the podcast after just a few minutes, you can take something away that you can apply immediately to your business. And so Marquette, I would ask you that very question. Is there something that you learned the hard way as you built your photography business that you could share with our listeners that they could apply to what they're doing? You bet. Um, we had our first baby when photography was just a hobby for me. And so I wasn't pursuing it as a business yet. I had a lot of time and creativity to pour into my family or whenever I wanted to pick up the camera. And so at the time, I took hundreds, maybe even thousands of photos of Darrow. He's our our oldest. And it's just such a cool name. I've never heard that before. I love it. It's my grandfather's name. That's fascinating. Okay, but please continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're just fine. So I took hundreds, if not thousands of pictures with him or of him with my DSLR. I did a year long project and so much of his first year and even two years was well documented. And then while I was pregnant with our second child is when I decided to ramp up photography from just a hobby into a business. And I was working on getting that going full time. And it was shortly after she was born that business really ramped up fast. And as I as I worked on getting that and getting caught up, it went faster than I'd expected. I it started to feel like work to pull out my DSLR to take pictures of Darrow or Ione. I and, can imagine. Yeah. And so I didn't I didn't want to take the time and I just thought my phone photos would do. But I wasn't in the habit of using my phone for photos and I hadn't set up like real specific times. I hadn't made a conscious effort to do that like I did with Darrow. And so it hit me about six months ago, just how few photos I have of our life um, after Ione was born. And not even just the few photos, but we didn't have many memories as a family because I was just trying to keep my keep my head above water with the business. Right. And it was heartbreaking to me that the business had taken over my family in such a, a neat time with this new baby and the family of four. And I didn't want that to happen anymore. And so I've worked hard the past six months to make changes so that neither the family nor the business cut each other out because they both needed to survive without killing off the other. Oh, it's it's such a good reminder. I, I, I personally, I have two kids, so Austin's 15 and Addison's 12. 
And I remember as a wedding photographer shooting as many as 30 to 40 weddings a year, how just overwhelming the process of running a business like that could be and all, of course, the inner workings of it, that you, you just didn't have a choice but to be proactive, be really specific even, and setting aside a time or specific times for your family. And as you say, too, it's very easy to get kind of lost in running a photography business and forget that really the most important subjects are our family, the people closest to us right there in front of us. And we can't forget to capture those moments, too. So this is a really, really good reminder. And um, and we're going to dive into this topic in a little bit more depth here in just a little bit. But those of you listening, don't forget, you know, to make time for the important people in your life and make time, too, to photograph them. This is a this is a great reminder. Thanks for starting us off with that. Now, I, I want to know a little bit more about your family. You, you are definitely a self-professed mom. And, and you're my goodness, I can't I can't say enough if you guys haven't. Um, been to, well, if you haven't actually been to Marquette's site yet, it's Marquette, M-A-R-Q-U-E-T-T-E-L-A-R-E-E.com. Is it Laurie Marquette? Laurie. That's my middle name. Laurie. You guys have all the cool fancy names. I love it. We do. (laughs) But you guys make sure you go to Marquette's website. And I have to add here at this point, your, the about section of your site, it's not very often that I get to see an about section on a, on a photographer's website that is, I mean, it, it, it shares information about the photographer in a way that is visually pleasing. Um, it's also easy to consume. Um, I've talked about this before in the podcast, but a lot of photographers, or at least a, a large number of them, will they'll, they'll spend a lot of time talking about themselves and their accomplishments and even, even about their background and how they got into photography. And while the stories are at least relevant in some form or fashion, it doesn't really benefit or value or add value to the client or potential client. And in the case of your about section on your website, they're just little bits of information paired with wonderful photographs that let the client know just enough about you to make it interesting um, while at the same time, you're not kind of droning on and on and on about yourself. I, it, it's a, it's really beautifully done. But anyway, all that to say, you've got a beautiful image of your two kids there on the website. So you guys have to go to her website, get a good idea of what a, a nice about section is, and then make sure you take a look um, at the picture of her kids there. But uh, we're talking about motherhood today. So I'd love for you to just kind of paint a picture of what motherhood looks like for you. Like what's a day in the life of the Maurer family look like? Oh, you bet. It's it's chaotic, and each day of the week is a little bit different. My husband is a biology professor at the community college here, and so his schedule is not exactly the same Monday through Friday. And so I start. I try to get up in the morning at 5 a.m., which is a really unnatural time for anyone to be awake. <laughs> for anybody, yeah. It's, I'm not a morning person, but I found that is really key to helping set up my day well. And what, what, what is that? Is it just that it gives you the kind of the quiet, the little bit of quiet time on your own that you can get some things done? Exactly. Yeah. So I get up and I have my lemon water because I don't drink coffee. And so that's what kind of wakes me up and gets me going. And I can spend time um, reading scriptures, writing in my journal, or um, usually I plan out my day. I have all my lists made. Yeah. If I just have that time to get grounded, but also to have a plan for the day, it makes everything else run so much more smooth. Oh, see, that's that's such a great recommendation. This is actually something that I talk about as well and kind of my ideal daily schedule. And it doesn't always happen, but um, it's starting off with 
taking care, I mean, it sounds so cliche and, and it's talked about so much these days, but the idea of taking care of yourself or put another way, um, finding inspiration. I, I like the way that you described it, finding some kind of grounding, if you will. Um, and you were talking about reading scripture and journaling. Journaling is something that, that I've just been, I'm realizing the significance more and more that I need to do for the sake of just clarifying my thoughts and then ideally maybe helping my kids in the future, if they can come back and read some of the things that I'm learning, then it might be helpful to them as well. But um, having a routine like that to kind of get you started in your day, making sure that you're you're growing as an individual is really, really important because it's easy to like wake up, click on the email and get lost in it or you know, get lost in social media or whatever the case. But starting your day off that way, that's a that's a really wonderful example for all of us listening. Please continue. Um, in the mornings, I try and stay off my phone and computer because it seems like if the kids see me online in the morning, the day's already lost. Yes. And so we we do chores together. Um, well, I mostly do chores and they kind of follow, but we try and involve them where possible. Darrow <laughs> yeah. um, is almost four and our daughter Iona is a year and a half. So chores is uh, just barely blossoming with them. But so we, we work on the housework or we go out in the yard. We go to the park. Um, what else do we do? We read stories, just whatever I can so that we get, we work together because working together we feel is important, but also they get that one-on-one -on -one time in the morning. For sure. It really makes a complete difference in the entire day. That's really interesting. Do you find it, it helps, also helps ground them as well? I think it does. Yeah. So they wake up and they're fresh and they get that immediate attention it, I think it just sets them up. They don't have to fight for my attention. Their emotions are more settled. I think it just helps them all the way around. Yeah, that's a that's a really beautiful example for all of us. So starting the day off without, there's actually, I think there's actually a book, isn't there, that's called something like Don't Check Your Email in the Morning. Um, it's, it's, it's really a good reminder for us. We, we all know better, but it's, it's easy to kind of get sucked in. Um, starting the day off by making sure that you're growing as an individual and then making time for the important people in your life. This is a great reminder. So at what point in the day then do you get to, to start working? Once they eat lunch and go down for a quiet time, that's when I start my office hours. Wow. That's really fascinating. Now you're shooting, you're shooting portraits uh, as well as weddings or what, what is your brand position? It's, I shoot mostly weddings. I do a few portraits mixed in here and there, but my main focus is DIY and backyard weddings. Okay. That's okay. So how many weddings will you shoot uh, in the season? Like this 2017, how many weddings will you photograph? I have 19 on the books for this year. Wow. Okay. So the reason I'm asking this, because this is really interesting to me that you as a, a full-time wedding photographer shooting 20 weddings or close to 20 weddings, you're able to push work to the middle of the day. Uh, and again, I think this is a really wonderful example for photographers listening in that, you know, as much as we might think that we have to work ridiculous hours to keep up with everything, you've, you've created a system that apparently works really quite well for you, for you. And I've, I've argued, I think before in the podcast that, you know, for a sole proprietor, a wedding photographer, a portrait photographer, I, I don't really see that there's much need outside of the, the photography to be working much more than probably about 20, 25 hours in a week. And it looks like you're kind of making that work for you. So you start after they go down, you eat lunch, they go down for naps, you jump into work at that point. Is there kind of an order of work that you approach it with? Usually I, I mean, that's from my list earlier in the morning, I have my most important projects. Um, I should have that quote in front of me. There's a, a quote I read a long time ago about eating the frog first. And the frog <laughs> is just whatever is the most important and has to be done first. Yeah. And so you eat your frog first. And that can be 
emails or if I need to update my pricing template or editing, whatever the most important thing is that day, I jump into that at the very beginning. But you've taken the time at the beginning of the day to actually establish what that is. And that's really key. It is. Yeah, it's because it, it's easy, at, again, as, as photography business owners, sole proprietors to kind of get carried away in whatever is happening in the moment, you know, whether it's responding to an email notification or a text message notification or you see this thing pop up in social media and then you get drawn into that. But you've established very proactively, you've established what is the most important thing or things that you need to get done for that day. And that's what you're jumping to. And this is something I've talked about before. I actually refer to it. Uh, as most important, MITs, most important tasks, which is something that I pulled from a book that I read a number of years ago. Uh, but I think that's really important because you know at the end of the day that even if, even if you don't get anything else done besides those MITs, you've in some form or fashion kind of moved your business forward in a proactive manner. And I think that's really a, a great reminder for our listeners. It helps a lot. It really does. So once you've accomplished those tax, tasks, then are there other things that you jump to or is that kind of complete your workday? What does it look like then? It partly depends on what what projects I have going on. If I have a whole lot of editing that needs to be sent out, um, as long as the kids are either asleep or contained, I can just keep working and knocking tasks out. And some days that can be three to four hours. And on some days it's 45 minutes, which is not always ideal or ever <laughs> ideal, but you just kind of have to go with the flow. So you actually mentioned something there that I want to kind of bring to light and explore a little bit. And that is the fact that you send out editing. Um, now I, you work with photographers edit, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, cool. So this is certainly not meant to be a, a commercial for photographers edit, but, um, the, the, the key point here is just the simple fact that you delegate or outsource post-production or editing work so that you don't have to do that. And I think it's really important for photographers listening in that are just kind of that their hands are up in the air, like how in the world is Marquette working so little in a week and shooting 20 weddings, being a full-time photographer, how does that happen? So much of that has to do with handing over the busy work, which is editing, because I don't know, maybe you can kind of comment on this Marquette, but the average photographer is spending, a wedding photographer is spending probably between 12 and 16 hours per wedding when they edit their own images. And you start to do the multiplication on that times 10 or 20 or 30 weddings a year. And it's just an incredible amount of time that it eats up in their day-to-day -day, uh, workflow. Exactly. Yeah. How much time would you say that it, it took you to edit a wedding on your own? It usually took me uh, two to three days all broken up. So I would imagine nine to 12 hours per wedding is about right. Yeah. And it's an incredible amount of time on multiple levels. And you consider like if you've taken, um, you, our listeners have taken the time to consider how much you're worth an hour, how much you're paying yourself an hour. If you break down what you make in a year, uh, and then you do the math on that times nine or 10 or you know, 15, 20 hours just to edit a wedding, it gets really, really expensive. And then of course it's keeping you from doing the things that will actually move your business forward or keeping you from spending time with the important people in your life. And so, you know, whether, whether it's photographers edit or it's another editing company, you've got an in-house assistant or an intern or otherwise consider this idea of, of kind of handing over the editing work, even if it's part of it handing that over to somebody else to handle for you because it is just going to save you an incredible amount of time. And the schedule that Marquette's currently describing is possible because she's or largely possible because she's handling that to somebody else. So um, you said you have anywhere from 45 minutes to, to about four hours in the afternoon to, to get through your workflow. Do you spend more time in the evening working or is that just kind of the cutoff point for you? 
I do. I spend more time in the evening. Tuesdays and Thursdays this semester is when my husband has his night classes. And so once the kids are in bed at about 7 or 7.30, I have two hours just completely uninterrupted that I can sit and work. That's really cool. So while he's gone with the classes and then he comes back and you guys maybe have a little bit of time together? Exactly. That's really, really cool. I, it seems like you're just very... I, I mentioned this actually when before we even hit the record button, you have a certain calm about you and, and you, you seem very intentional in the way that you're managing your business. And this is a really good reminder for me, even in my daily schedule um, as a business owner, but then also for our listeners and being just very, very specific, being very proactive and creating a schedule that is as efficient as possible. Uh, that allows you to get as much of the important stuff done as possible in a short amount of time so that you have time left to spend with those that are important in your life and, of course, to to do other things, whether it's on the business side or personal side. These are really, really great reminders, and, and I think this episode is just absolutely rich with helpful information already. So on your website, um, one of the things that you talked about was being uh, – a client's sidekick. We're going to actually get back to this topic of balance here in just a second, but I want to kind of get back to you as a photographer. You mentioned being a client's sidekick or a friend, and I'm not sure that I've ever seen the word sidekick used on a photographer's website before. I want to know more about what that means to you. Well, to me, the the main heart behind my business is building up the world with goodness and using photography as a means to buoy people up. And so the whole sidekick part of it, I'm, I don't... I don't want to be in the center. I'm not, this isn't about me. I'm here to, to be someone's Robin so that they can be the Batman. And I want to, <laughs> I, I could see we're going to, this is going to end up being another quote for us that we're going to be posting on social media. That is really brilliant. <laughs> I, but I, I love the way that you're painting this picture. Please continue. It's great. Um, so that really comes into play. I mean, all through the whole wedding photography process of helping, helping them plan out the timeline or, figure out other vendors that they might need, anything that they need in there to make sure that they are the rock stars and that they they have what they need. And then it goes right into the actual engagement session and the wedding is making sure that they feel the the love that I have for them and that they know that I, I care for them more than just a transaction, that we we really are friends because everyone needs a friend and needs to feel feel that love and that care over them. And so it just goes all through the day of sewing zippers back into dresses when they bust out or helping get them on the dance floor instead of serving cake or how I treat their grandparents, just any bit of it to make sure that they feel supported and loved and that they are the rock stars. And that's, that's when I, what I try to be with their sidekick. Oh, this is beautiful. And, and you're actually touching on something that uh, my friend Andreka, who we just recently had on the, the Boca podcast as well, that she spoke on the importance of the significance of developing uh, real relationships with these clients. And she actually used the word lead. Um, she's, she's developed such a relationship with her clients that she's actually able to lead them on the wedding day and be kind of that, that in a sense, the sidekick or even a rock at times, the stability, the safety that many of her clients need. And it, this just so beautifully highlights the important, uh, importance of really two things. Of course, the relationship, the idea of developing real relationships with our clients. But then I love the fact that you that you also mentioned just a little bit ago that it's not about you. And, and this has been kind of a theme that I've heard uh, from our guests or that we discuss on the on the book of podcast for the last little while. This idea that it's at the end of the day, if we take ourselves out of it, if we stop making it so much about us and our artistry, we're going to do two things. First of all, we're certainly going to feel f more fulfilled um, if we have our heart in the right place. 
as we develop real relationships with these clients and potential clients. Uh, but then what we're going to create is an experience that is truly going to set us apart because not everybody has this mentality of being the so-called psychic. And, I, and again, I love the kind of the Robin and Batman reference there. Um, <laughs> but it's it's that, you know, when, when photography, as it stands now in 2017, the way that technology is enabling us uh, to take wonderful photographs with just very simple tools, including, of course, our phones, we've got to be able to do more than just take a cool picture uh, we need to create an experience for our clients that sets us apart. And, and this kind of focus on being the client sidekick, on developing real relationships and enable you to really support the client on the wedding day, is just absolutely key to creating that unique experience. So yet again, I know I keep saying it, but this is, these are just really wonderful reminders and you do it in such a, a wonderful way. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, um, I actually said just a few minutes ago that you're a full-time photographer. I only say full-time really just because to me, 20 weddings, 19, 20 weddings a year seems like full-time work. But part of your, part of what your focus really at this point is dedication to time with your kids. And you already exemplified that or, or, or communicated that in the schedule that you were sharing with us. But while this may seem like kind of, I don't know, an obvious thing, I'd love for you to share your reasoning, your thought process behind that. Because you know, some people might say, hey, you know what, I, I'm going to get a nanny or I'm going to get a babysitter and, and have them watch the kids so I can, I can really throw even more of myself into my business. How, what made you, what led to your decision to kind of find a little bit more balance in that? Well, as most parents do, Cameron and I have a lot of hopes and dreams for our kids, but these hopes lie less in what we hope they do for a living or how much they make or how, how well they do in school, and it's more on the kind of person that they end up being. And so we want them to to be kind, hardworking, um, to see the importance in lifting others up, and to just be defenders of goodness and the the way that they treat people, I, they need to know that it's important and how how they treat people and what they do to build up the world. And just from the few years that we've been parents already and as siblings, we're both older siblings, um, we've seen kids are little sponges and parrots. They soak up everything that they see and they repeat it. And so because of this, we feel like the best thing for, for our kids right now and our family, while they are still so little and they're just soaking everything up, is to be home with one of us. And right now it's easier for me to be the one home. And so it does mean we live on a single income and that our life doesn't look as glamorous, but that's not the point of why we want to be home with the kids. And so that that I can be there for when they need me the most and we can get that foundation set up with them. Oh, this is really, really good stuff. And and I feel like we like we read from the same book or something because there's so, so many similarities in both the way that we look at business and then even parenting. And this reminds me of something that um, that I faced, I guess, a few years ago. Uh, I moved my kids from private school to um, we moved my kids to, from private school, ultimately to public school and in a different kind of different area of town. And, you know, I of course, the natural thing to do is to, is to consider the scores that the that school is putting out and ultimately the quality of the education that, that my kids might get at the school. And the realization that I had was at the end of the day, while it is important that, that they have, they're going to a school that is um, ultimately, I think, most importantly, teaching them how to think critically, certainly gain some awareness of, of history and how that relates to life now. Um, develop social skills as a result of engaging with those in their classes and in sports or uh, music or otherwise. 
But at the end of the day, what they're going to learn, uh, their most important education really is the education that I can give them. So even if they don't go to the top rated junior high or high school, I know at the end of the day, the things that they're going to actually carry forward and use much more actively in their life, those things that those principles, those values that I teach them at home. And so opportunities that I have um, to, to, to be able to share what I'm learning in my life with them and to help instill those values. I just, I look at it as such a privilege. And I think I, you know, there's probably the occasional, at least internal eye roll on their part. Here goes dad again on, you know, some, <laughs> some rant about some topic or whatever, but uh, it's, I get so excited to be able to, to share with them what I'm learning because um, I'm at such a learning phase of my life too. And, uh, and I think your point, the point that you make is so important that ultimately it's on us to instill those values in our kids. That is what matters most. And the fact that you've prioritized that um, is just a wonderful example for all of us parents out there. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with us now. Again, photographers are probably, they may be listening in and thinking, okay, this, this sounds really idyllic, you know, idealistic, um, this idea that we might be able to work 20 hours a week or, or 30 hours a week and get everything that we need, that, that we need to and still have time left for our family and to do other things. Um, how do I, like, where do I get started? I need something practical. And so I was wondering if maybe you could just share some practical steps that, that our listeners can take to maybe a bit more effectively find balance in business and home life. And I know that word balance, it's, it's kind of cliche and it's probably overused. And really the idea of balance is going to be very subjective. It's going to be different for each person, but maybe you have some practical recommendations that they can consider in their life and their business. You bet. Uh, so the first one, one of the first things that I did was to delete all non-essential apps from my phone, including Facebook and on occasion Instagram. And I turn off all notifications. And we, so we are that so way, on the same page. It's not even funny. I just this is this is really funny. But when yeah. you say turn off notifications, now are you turning those off like literally from your email, from social media, all notifications? All notifications. I love it. I love it. Because it gets so easy to just oh, I'll check that one thing, and then it's habit with us. Your thumb starts flying across the screen, yeah. and we get sucked into everything else. And so all my notifications are off, and it's. I only pick it up and I try, I mean, I still get sucked in because it happens to everyone, but I try to have very specific times and ways that I use the phone. And can you expand on that a little bit about the times and ways? Because that, that's really interesting. I think that goes back to the idea of being really proactive in the way that you do things. You bet. I mean, I have no games on there because again, that's, I just get sucked in and Facebook even, there's the argument that that, oh, I use it for business. And I made that excuse for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But I wasted so much more time just surfing through there than I actually did for business. And everything that I could do on my phone, I could do on the computer. And for some reason on the computer, it was was not quite as much of a time waste. Right. And so it's, I have my, my Mile IQ app on there to log my miles. And that has to be on my phone, obviously, not the computer. For sure. And... Instagram, because I do, that's part of the marketing. Oh, I'm trying to think what else I have. Just the basic. Very... Yeah, I, was, I was actually, I was, I was thinking, you know, like, it'd be kind of interesting to compare our, our home screen icons. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just to see what's, what's on there. But I, I think your point is, is well taken. The idea of getting rid of apps that ultimately can be distractions that don't, yes. don't enable us to live out a day that, that accurately represents uh, our values. This is a conversation that I was having on the Boca podcast with Stephanie Wilcox, the idea that 
your your behavior is is ultimately a means to an end, and that end, or one of those primary ends, is to live out a certain set of values. And so, even down to something as seemingly mundane uh, or unimportant as what icons or what apps we have on our phone, if it gets in the way of living out those values consistently, or running the business that we want to run, um, then get rid of it. And that's, it seems like a, such a simple thing to do and probably way too many of us don't actually do that very thing. But I, I love this very proactive mentality. And then notifications, I, to me, that is maybe even a, a bigger time suck than, than having the apps. I mean, it's, it is very easy to pull up the phone and open the app, but then we see those notifications pop up and it's so easy to get sucked in, especially with email. And then something that's probably not really an emergency becomes an emergency and, um, we get distracted from focusing on the things that are actually going to help move our business forward or distracted from spending time with really focused, present time with our kids or friends or otherwise. Um, this is this is really, really good reminder. So so the first thing you said, delete the non-essential apps, turn off notifications, take us to the next one. Uh, the next one I have is efficient workflows. So even I think about seven or eight months ago, I didn't have my workflow lined out. I was keeping track of it in my head and notes scattered around on my desk, and it just was not efficient at all. And so being able to write down the exact steps of everything that I need to do, and so every time I take the same steps in the same order, and I don't have to remember where I'm at, um, has made a big difference just in being able to stay organized and to know what tasks I need to do that day. And this goes back to that idea we were talking about earlier, and it may even seem repetitive to those listening in, but it's it's a point that needs to be made really over and over again. It's a good reminder, and that is just a simple notion of proactivity and outlining your day. And so in this case, not only, as you talked about earlier, have you established your more, most important tasks for the day, but you also have a reference, um, a, a, a loose structure for how to get your work done. And that helps, you know, it, it there is a, I think, kind of an apprehension, particularly from the, the more artistic-leaning individuals that in the photography industry, that you know, I'm an artist, so structure gets in the way of me being an artist. Um, but the reality is, at the end of the day, if if you are trying to run a photography business to generate a part-time income or a full-time income for yourself or maybe yourself and family, uh, you don't really have a choice but to be at least somewhat structured if you want to get things done in a somewhat efficient manner. And so the very proactive nature of hey of creating a very specific outlined workflow that helps drive your day, and what that does is kind of keep from or keep it really minimizes helps minimize distractions uh, because yes. instead of jumping to this workflow or jumping to that workflow or opening this app or jumping to email here and then going back to editing or whatever it might be, you're following an outline that helps kind of guide you. And the the cool thing about structure like this is it doesn't have to be kind of mutually exclusive to also being a flexible, having a flexible schedule and being that so-called artist. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. A little bit of structure creates efficiency, which gives you more time to have that kind of freedom and flexibility. And that's really important to note. They're not mutually exclusive. So that's a really great uh, additional pointer there. Efficient workflows, taking the time to outline those efficient workflows. Um, take us to the next one. The next one I had was to set boundaries for myself. And I mean, this is, it's not one that you can always say, here's your boundary to other people. And it takes a while, took a while for me to figure it out for myself. But I found it was so easy to think I have to do X, Y, Z for my business right now, or things are going to fall completely apart. And then I got sucked in. And that is when 
uh, my family relationships hurt is when I would just get so sucked into the business and I forgot that they needed my attention too. And so that's when I set the boundary of not getting on the computer until the kids are in the room for quiet time or setting the boundary of uh, no phone time in that, that two hour period when I wake up at 5 a.m. Yeah. It's just making sure that I have, I have my, my boundaries so I don't abuse the time that I do have. And what is the, what is the motivating factor that helps you be consistent with that? Because even if for me, even, um, I'm a relatively organized individual and I have a, a schedule and, and lists of things that I like to do or lists, um, of the values that I like to review. I mean, I have all these systems in place, but it, it's still easier. It can be easy to get distracted from that. What, what helps you maintain the discipline to do these things consistently? Often what helps me maintain discipline is after a day when I have not kept my boundaries and things have just kind of gone to pot. Yeah. And the kids are running around with no shirt on outside and the dishes are all <laughs> completely a mess. That's when I realize I've I've not kept within I mean, some days those happen even when you're in your boundaries, but they almost always happen when I don't stay within the boundaries that I set. For and sure. so it always takes one of those days for me to remember and realize. I've got to pull back. Yeah, where you kind of cringe a little bit and you're like, all right, this doesn't feel real good. Let's get back to what does feel good, what what makes the day flow a little bit more smoothly. That That's that's good. Um, all right, so we've got, uh, the, the first one was delete non-essential apps, turn off notifications. Um, two was efficient workflows, establishing an outline of your workflow, even if it's just a loose structure, and then setting boundaries. Um, and you've given really great examples of that. Do you have some additional pointers? Yes. I have, and it's one that we talked about early on, was just starting the day grounded, um, getting that that time in um, for yourself, or even if you don't start the day grounded, you have a specific part of the day that that you have the time to just pull back and plan or reflect. Some people do better planning the night before, but just having having time there to to get your mind at ease and to really be able to dive into yourself if you need it. Yeah, for sure. And this is important on multiple levels. It's important for mental clarity. It's important for our health and, you know, taking the time to, whether it's going for a walk or running, going to the gym. Um, but it, it, again, it is kind of a cliche phrase. It's something we hear of a lot these days, but it is important to set some time aside to take care of ourselves, to better ourselves on whether it's our health or our mind uh, or otherwise. And uh, really creating that space to get grounded. That's so important. And, and you make a good point it, that the time itself may not be uh, the exact same for everybody. Some people are morning people. You said you weren't a morning person, yet you've made time to do this, which is so impressive. But in some cases, maybe you prefer to um, put that list together the night before. Uh, maybe some of you like to get a, a start with your day and you put that list together at the beginning of the day and just dive into it. Whatever works best for you, most effectively for you, do that thing, but make sure that you set time aside to, to get grounded. And I will add one additional, actually a couple additional thoughts to that. One thing, if you do, for those of you who tend to be more night owls, the one kind of drawback to planning, to, to creating a list right before you go to bed is that it could kind of hang around in your mind as you're going to sleep and may keep you from easily falling to sleep. Uh, so the advantage to doing this at the beginning of the day is that you know you can dive right into those things uh, after you've created that list. So that's something to keep in mind. The other thing, because you mentioned, Marquette, the idea of clearing your mind, 
And it made me think of the importance of having a to-do list, a task list, or a project management system of some kind where you can dump everything that comes into your head. Because it's easy to, as business owners, we have all these different moving parts in our business and we're holding that all internally in our head, as you were even alluding to earlier. And if you don't have a place where you can kind of unload all of that, um, it's going to be easy to, to maintain that kind of jumbled state of mind that keeps you from sleeping well and thinking clearly. Um, I use a system called Todoist. It's Todoist, T-O-D-O-I-S-T dot com as a task and project management system. I'm in no way affiliated with them. It's just a really great system. And that's kind of my the place where I could go to just unload anything that is in my mind, kind of clear my head of the things that need to get done. And then I can organize those into my MITs, my most important tasks for the day, and, um, and then work from that list. So I highly recommend if you guys don't have a task or project management system somewhere to kind of unload what's in your, in your head, make sure that you pick up a system like Todoist or Wonderlist. Uh, these are great systems that you can use to manage all of that. What we have here, these four ideas of uh, just to kind of review, deleting non-essential apps, turn off notifications, uh, efficient workflows, outlines, setting boundaries, um, and then ultimately being grounded. And this really is kind of the, the, the baseline, the starting point for being able to effectively carry out these, these other suggestions. Um, these are really great recommendations, pieces of advice for our listeners, reminders, if nothing else. Um, but you guys make sure that you're making time to, to get grounded in order to be able to create the space that you need to have a more balanced life. And again, that's going to look different for everybody. It is a subjective word. Um, but I think Marquette has created a beautiful example in her personal life and in her business of very proactively making her family, the important people in her life, a priority and finding balance and prioritizing family with also running an effective business. And I really can't thank you enough, Marquette, for making time to come on the Boca podcast today and share all of this with us. Whereabouts can our listeners go to find you online and kind of follow what you're doing? Oh, you bet. They can follow my blog and website, and that is at marquettelarie.com. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, just the, exactly the same at marquettelarie, M-A-R-Q-U-E-T-T-E-L-A-R-E-E. Perfect. That's great. And this has been an absolutely wonderful episode. Thank you so much, Marquette. I really appreciate you sharing with us. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, Nathan at PhotographersEdit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. <laughs>